Well, I want to welcome you on this Easter morning. You know, I have a, a, my oldest grandson will have these, what he'll go, whoa, Papa. You know, like I'm putting toothpaste way too much. Whoa, Papa, that's way too much toothpaste. Or um, when I'm shooting his little target of arrows and he, he goes, whoa, Papa, you got to lick the suction cups like this, which I'm going, no way. Um, and then, and then there's these whoa, Papa moments. And I just was thinking this morning, whoa, Papa, Father. This is an incredible day. What a week for those who are followers of Jesus and for all creation. As God himself through Jesus manifested himself. And you think about it. You think of um, what I would call Palm Sunday began just a week ago. And then, then you have on a Thursday, Monday, Thursday. And, and then it's Good Friday. And then what I've labeled Sad Saturday. And then it's Easter Sunday. Resurrection Morning. Here is, in a sense, the Super Bowl of our whole church calendar because Jesus took on death and Satan and he defeated and he overcome death and he defeated Satan. And this is the day that we celebrate because we know that death does not have a hold on those who know Christ. And what an incredible day. But you know what? What you may not notice is there's a bonus day. Did you know what the, tomorrow is? Tax Day Monday. <laughs> you know, if you have not filed your taxes yet, I just saw that the government has this new kind of form that you can fill out really quick to do. All you do is list your income, then list your expenses, and then whatever's left over, you give to the government. That's one of their new plans that you may not want to take advantage of. I did have an IRS agent call me this week and ask, are you a pastor? I said, yes, I am. And can you help me out with some stuff? I said, yeah, I, I can. And, and then he said, um, does a Jonathan Michael Robert attend? Uh, and I said, yeah, I, I think he does. And he goes, um, did he give a $20,000 donation? And I said, he will. <laughs> so if your name is Jonathan or Michael or Robert, I didn't know. You can call me or just deposit that gift. You know what? We've been in a series called Passion and Suffering. And it's all about this time in between till we come to this day where joy, that we experience in our hearts now. There's a sense there's home in our hearts now because of what God has done for those who are followers. And those of you who are looking on, it's, it's an opportunity. I think maybe it's no accident. You're either here in the service or you're online that God might be having you especially here to hear this. But there is a joy in fullness to come that we can live now, but... Jesus showed that, but he also showed this joy yet to come. I was talking last week as we were going through this passion and suffering. You can see and joy, which is this week. But I was talking last week about um, Nelson Mandela, who was a South African, you know, apartheid leader who had been in prison for 21 years of confinement in a cell that was four by four. I was speaking about that in a um, person um, texted me this slide. It showed me the um, cell. Do you have that, Sarah? That's the cell that he showed me. And, and, and he said he was there, uh, not in prison, but he was there visiting and seeing it. And as he was in that um, space and he looked at how small it was, did you know that a good part of his 21 years were in solitary confinement? And people have asked him, 
You know, when he was alive, how, how did you endure this? How, how did you, what, what gave you an, an ability to, to um, hang on to the end? And he would talk about his faith in God. He would talk about the fact that he really believed his sacrifice would be rewarded. He talked about the fact that um, he knew there was more to this life than just what the eye sees in this prison cell that he was in. And he lived in that reality, and he also lived with this reality. He lived with the reality that he knew he had an assignment that was to be completed. And that was that he was going to um, come out of here and give freedom to many who were oppressed. Well, as I um, was processing through that, I thought, wow, that is, there's so much of, of, of what he modeled and lived, which is just much of what we see in the life of Jesus. And we read it in this passage of scripture that we're going to look at this morning, because in, you know, as we talked about passion and suffering over these last few weeks, it ends with this sense of joy. This is resurrection day. And he makes this really clear. He says in chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this idea that it's like this athletic contest, and he's talking to you right now, in your race of life, if you may be in a place of enduring or no matter where you're at, he's saying these these um, stands of the, uh, you know, in the grandstand of this stadium, there are like those who are looking on, just like in an athletic contest, but they're in the heavenly clouds. They've gone ahead of you. It could be parents and grandparents or relatives. It could be the fact that it's just someone who is loving and invested in you and they're cheering for you right now. And so he says, there's this great cloud of witnesses. Keep this in mind. So let us, with this knowledge, throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles in this life. Now is the time for you to live in the freedom and the joy that God has provided for you. And, and run with perseverance this race. Catch this, marked out for us. I believe God has it not marked out just for the church, but for you. He has an idea of why you're here, the purpose of the assignment. And then he goes on, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's the one who, who pioneered it, and, and he's also the one who perfects it to the end. Listen to what he says here. For the joy set before him, Jesus. This joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he was able to scorn its shame. And it all resulted in that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider him, folks, who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not run and grow weary and lose heart, which is so easy to do in life. I don't know your exact course in a race right now, but I know a lot of people here in a very general way have had a very difficult number of years, right? Pandemic, all kinds of racial and political unrest and the hatred that we experience here in our, in our society. And, and then beyond that, there has been all this um, international unrest, which we don't know what's going to happen, right? Ukraine is invaded, what will, what will come of this? And not only with that happening, there's now this economic uncertainty that's occurring in our lives as we see inflation begin to grow. And what will happen? And this is a great passage. You can live in this time trusting that God is seeing. There's others around you, but you can live by fixing your eyes on Jesus. And, and here's what I want you to consider. 
The same kind of joy that held him in place and in check, knowing his father's love, um, you will be able to grab onto in this journey in life as well. And so I want to just share with you a few of those things this, this morning. And, and the first is this, I think, as you look at this joy that was set before Jesus, and I was thinking about it in between services. Yes, I, God speaks to me in between services. You know what? He, he didn't say the hope. I think that's interesting. Hope, not in the sense of wish or confidence. It was more than just hope and confidence. The confidence he had of what was ahead actually gave joy. It actually allowed for him, even in the midst of all that was going on, he had this sense of not a happiness, but this confident joy in his heart before God. And the very first thing that I think um, you can say that was in that joy is what I call as the joy of promotion. It's this idea of God bringing glory and reward. It's this sense that you see in scripture that humiliation will often lead to exaltation. It's something that we know as well. Everybody likes to be promoted, right? Promotion usually is a good thing. But what we don't like maybe is the pain and, and the suffering or the blood, sweat, and tears. Ask anybody who has been promoted to some of the highest levels and they will tell you whether they're following Jesus or not, they will tell you it usually takes blood, sweat, and tears, and denial, and self-sacrifice, and other things to get to that place. Well, what I find interesting in the life of Jesus is this is something he taught off, and he basically said, if you want to be promoted, you want to be rewarded from this life and also this next life, because we don't always get that reward here, but there is this, this idea that Jesus lets us know. In Luke 14, 11, he, as an itinerant preacher, Jesus would go from one town to another town, and he would have certain things that he would talk about, and this is one of them that he would often talk about. He would just say to people, for those who exalt themselves, you'll be humbled. Those of you in your own strength, in your own power, in your own way, who are after power to use power to get power about yourself, he said, guess what? You will be humbled. But for those of you who humble yourselves and trust God and, and, and invite him into your life and you follow in a sense that you say, God, this power that you've given me personally and the powers that I might be imbued with and, and be trusted with, I want to give these in such a way that I want them to serve others. I want to lift up others. I want to help others. He said, when you live in that way, those who kind of go down that descent of serving and sacrifice in this life, it doesn't mean that you don't get raised to positions of power and other things, but if you use this power and say, God, it's not for me, it's for my own self, but it's used because you want me, you have an assignment that you're using me with, there is also, he says, seamlessly tied to the step down, a step up. Jesus would teach that often. In fact, if you look at the disciples when they would walk with Jesus through those three years, do you know one of the things that commonly comes up in the Gospels? They were fighting among themselves about who would get the highest promotion. Remember that? You know, who do you think is going to have the left or right hand on Jesus' side? And, and Jesus is over here and everyone's on. He goes, Stephanie, go, guys, guys. For those of you who want to be promoted to the highest level, you better understand that the way of the kingdom of God that gets the reward in the sense of God's presence and working through you now and forever is the one who recognizes that they serve others and they use themselves in such a way that they give themselves to promote others because you will be promoted. And then in another time, just before, 
his death and being betrayed. They're in the upper room and they're, they're talking with each other. Can you imagine Jesus pouring his heart out? He knows he's going to go on a cross. And as he's there, they start arguing about power again. They start arguing about being promoted. And Jesus goes, wait, wait. And one of them says, well, I'd like to be at your left hand and your right hand. And Jesus at one point says, can you, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? Kind of this unanswered question that he was calling them to understand that the one who seeks to follow Jesus will also be the one that as you do that, you need to know because of Resurrection Sunday what happened to Jesus, you will be promoted. There's um, not only that Jesus taught this, he actually modeled this in his life. And, and <clears throat> this hit me in such a fresh way just a few weeks ago. I was... In my time, which I wasn't in, in, in the morning, and I was reading through Luke, and I was just preparing my heart for this whole Passion Week. So I was reading through those last days, that last week of, of Jesus. And as I'm, I'm going along, I, I read this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 22, verses 66 through 71. And I'm going to read this with you because it, it just struck me as kind of funny and strange. Jesus has just been betrayed. He's dragged before the um, high priest's household. He's kind of out there, and they're they're calling together this quick kind of the Sanhedrin, which was the supreme court of the Jews, together. So they're just kind of waking people up, getting them in the daylight. It's morning. Listen to what it says. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. And Jesus was led before the high council, and they said, here's the question. Tell us. Are you the Messiah? And to their question, Jesus doesn't give an answer. He looks at me and says, it doesn't matter what I say. If I say yes, you won't believe me. And, and if I ask you what you mean by your question, you won't answer me. I mean, Jesus doesn't even waste his breath. It's as if he's saying to them, you've already convicted me in your hearts. Your decision's been made. You've already judged and sentenced me. Basically, I'm signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Which you know that song. Some of you are laughing because you're... That song was a direct plagiarism. Anyway, no. <laughs> Jesus is basically looking at him saying, this is all procedural. It's just window dressing what you're doing. You're merely checking boxes right now in order that it will look good. So it'll be kosher in your Jewish law. And so not only does he teach it, now he models this. Listen to the response. Why would you respond at this moment and say this? But from now on, he looks in the eyes. He says, from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. What's that? It's a sense that, that Jesus really knew seamlessly tied together his, his descent and his um, humiliation into the cross was so tied together they would not be any separate that it would also mean an ascent, a glory, an exaltation, a promotion. If I was to paraphrase it like this, he says, soon, he's looking at him, soon I will be seated at God's right hand in power. In this earthly realm, you guys, For a brief moment, you are seated above me, judging me. But soon I will be promoted way beyond any of you. In fact, I will be your judge. Mic drop. They're ticked. Their hearts say, I want to kill this guy. Why did Jesus make this remark? 
because he wants you to know this truth. Resurrection Sunday is the reality of this. Just as Jesus descended and served and sacrificed for God and for others, his Father, so also seamlessly tied to your own sacrifice, your selfish, selfless serving, your ability to say, Jesus, I want my life to count for you. I want to, to do something that makes a difference in this life for you is seamlessly tied to your promotion on that day. So never forget it. I, I just encourage you to be thinking about that. Because humiliation leads to exaltation. And I just want you to know, if you're in that place you're struggling, Jesus tells you to be promoted. I, I read these words in a book called Surprised by Hope, written by N.T. Wright. And I, and I love these words. I think they're written for you, for us. He says, you are, strange though it may seem, almost as hard to believe as the resurrection itself, accomplishing something that will become in due course part of God's new world. He's basically saying, what you're doing in this life as you do it unto the Lord, as you use your life for him, it will extend into the next life. Every act of love, gratitude, and kindness, every work of art or music inspired by the love of God and delight in the beauty of his creation. Catch the breadth of this. Every minute spent teaching a severely handicapped child to read or to walk. Every act of care and nurture, of comfort and support for one's fellow human beings and for that matter, one's fellow non-human creatures. And of course, every prayer, all spirit-led teaching, every deed that spreads the gospel, builds up the church, embraces and embodies holiness rather than corruption and makes the name of Jesus honored in the world, all of this will find its way through the resurrecting power of God into the new creation that God will one day make. Nothing that you do here for him and his sake will be wasted. Don't ever let yourself give up as you are enduring. Know that everything you're doing in the place you're at as you do it unto the Lord will be translated, will be rewarded on that day. Of glory. So I just want to share with you. Some of you need to hear this. I just want you not to give up. Resurrection is this um, light that shines so brightly that says the reward is coming. Those of you who have felt and continue to feel the stress and the pain, what I would call the lonely, unnoticed efforts of your humble service through this pandemic, and I speak nurses or healthcare workers or others of you, You truly are heroes, but not in this world. You are also heroes in the eyes of God as you seek to do what God has called you to do. To those community servants who humbly and sacrificially through this difficult season that we've had of just political and social and racial unrest, and you've served God and you've served others, it has seemed like a probably fruitless and thankless effort, right? But you will hear you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I just think of school teachers who faithfully give the best of themselves to educate our children and yet are rewarded far less than professional athletes who get mega bucks for entertaining us by putting little white balls into a hole or hitting bigger white balls over a fence. Or bouncing bigger orange balls and then throwing through hoops. It kind of makes no sense. 
But I want you to know God sees it and he promises his reward is coming. So hang on and do what God has called you to do in the place he's called you to do it. Recognizing always that resurrection day kind of stands right here and says you will be rewarded for every work that you do in this life. And some of you need to begin to think about what am I doing in this life? Am I really doing anything in this life for God? It may be that's the reason you're here this morning, the reason you're online today. There's another joy, and that's what I call the joy of eternity. So in his eyes, he has a sense of, okay, you, you hear him say it, you know, I'll be at seated in the right hand of power. I know that, and for that, he has joy. He's confident. But he also has another one. It's what I call the joy of eternity. He knew. He said it a couple of different times, too. Guess what, guys? This is going to be really bad. It's going to be really hard, but I'm going home. All right? There is eternity. This side of all this life and all the struggle, all the pain, as I have revealed to you, I came from heaven and I came in order that you might know there is a God who really loves you. I'm here. I'm present. I'm in it. What's so amazing about Jesus is the signs of his presence are, are all around them. He looks at one point and they're around us too. He looks, he goes, look at the bird. You see that bird? The father cares for him. Can't you see there's a father? This this life even here has signs of heaven in it. In fact, not only that, if you look over at the farmer, he's sowing a bunch of seeds. Can you see the power and the miracle of that seed? That seed has the ability to produce more seeds and, and to do so even up to a hundredfold. That's what your life can be. You see the signs of heaven all around you. He walks and he heals people. He raises someone from the dead. He, he does these works of God. And the presence of God is manifested in the signs of the, all around him. Today. This day. Think about this. It is the biggest sign of the reality that this life is not the end. Death is not your final enemy. Your final enemy is a selfishness that will never turn to God. God sent Jesus in on this resurrection day. It is the biggest sign. Guess what? Heaven is breaking into this earth. And someday it will come in fullness. You are meant to not live as this is being your home. Trying to make all that you can in this life. How depressing it is to believe there's not something more. There is far more. There's a home that awaits us. There's this um, verse in scripture that says that this eternity that Jesus presented and we see on resurrection day is actually in our hearts. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says this. Yet God made everything beautiful for its time. Listen to these words. He has planted eternity in the human heart. You ever wondered in your life about this life and these hungers you have that there's, this can't, there has to be more? It's because you've been hardwired for eternity. Our bodies naturally thirst, right? Some of you right now are waiting for this message to end because you want to get the brunch, right? Your bodies are hungry. Some of you, if you just be aware of it, and I want to speak to some of you too who have a hard time with this message of Christ because you've maybe been raised in a place where it's been abusive and it hasn't been used in a way. You just need to hear That's a lie. God loves you. And in your soul, if you pay attention to it, you will know there is a hunger. There is a thirst. 
There is a longing for home. There are a great crowd of witnesses that are cheering you on who long for you to know him and to walk with him. There's this incredible um, word that C.S. Lewis says around this whole idea of hunger. He says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we are made for another world. Think about that. The desires we have, our desires, are often fulfilled and can be fulfilled. Now, some of them not legitimately so, but he's basically making this point, which I think is an incredible point with regard to just thinking about this whole idea of signs. One of the signs is placed in your very heart. The very longing that you have, if there's a desire that you want to know God, or if there's a desire that you want to be with him now and forever, that's because God put it there. Now, I um, often will walk with my wife. Grace and I go through the week, and we, and we will walk together. And it's been kind of interesting where I live. Um, it feels like winter. Any Anybody else have winter? I have a few here. In the first, I don't know what happened to this, this service, but in the first service, everyone sat in the good seats in the front. I don't know why you guys sat in the back seats. But anyway, two little girls go, yes! And I'm going... Yeah, it has not, you know, it's like spring has been, I think, knocking hard on the door of winter, and winter won't let it in. And I'm one of these kind of spring-summer guys, and you know what, maybe that we don't experience much of spring, but I do know summer's coming, right? Summer's coming, even if it be a day <laughs> of eternity. And I go walking with my wife, and as we're walking along... You can't deny the reality of the signs of spring as you hear these geese flying over your head going, honk, honk. Not bad, huh? <laughs> and, then, and then you can hear cardinals singing up in the trees. It's just amazing. <whistles> okay, close. And then these red-winged blackbirds on these wires of television, they're one of the first signs of spring, and they sit up there. Anybody connect with this? And they do this little dance where they flutter their wings and... F- I'm not going to do that. And um, and then there's these buds on the trees because the days are getting longer. They're not warmer necessarily, but they're getting longer, right? One day we were walking and it had been just warm for a little bit and it kind of rained, a slushy kind of rain. And we're walking along and my wife goes, oh, Kevin, a worm. That's a sign of spring. That's similar to the resurrection in some ways. The reason I say this, they're coming out of the ground and they don't come out in the winter. I can tell you this. The signs of spring and summer are all around us. What resurrection tells you is that Jesus has made it clear. God the Father, because he loves you so much, has made it clear. The signs of heaven are there. They're even in your heart. There is a day coming. And you can begin to experience this day to day. And you can walk into this day forever. Because as Jesus hung on the cross, he knew he was going home. There's one other joy. I think this is, to me, the most profound joy that I believe was in his heart in this time. And it's what I call the joy of the prize. Anybody know what the prize was? It's you. I want you to just before God right now, Imagine your father with Jesus seated next to him. 
He hung on that cross, and as he did so, I want you to imagine he's looking right into your eyes. You, you individually, are the prize that he came. The assignment that he was given when he left heaven to come to earth wasn't just merely to tell us there's a reward. It wasn't merely to show us that there's a home that we can go to. It was to tell you this, that he would go to any extent to reach your heart. He would die the most horrific death you could imagine. And you might ask, why? Because he loves you. He loves you. I think of... um, illustrations in our world that often God gives us pictures of what he's like and his love for us through things that we can see naturally around us. And one of those is I think about a mom. I think of a, of, of a woman. Think about it for a second. What, what causes a woman to go through months of sickness and nausea? Right? I, I think about this and I go, what would what sane woman wants to carry a bowling ball sized life within their body? Guys, you would never make it. I wouldn't. We are way too much babies. What what woman would go through what they would do through all those months and then in those final hours and days, in that anguish, in that crying out, would cry out through all that pain. Why would they do it? Because they know on the other end of it is a life, there's a baby, there's a prize, there's this little one they're going to hold in their arms. And that's the cross. It's the, it's, it's the birth for you to enter into his presence, to be able to walk with him and live with him. And, and for us, church, to, to enjoy that, that's the resurrection, Right? Praise God. As I think about this and I just glory in it, guess what? God has given you life. He wants you to know he loves you. But even more than that, he wants to live in and through you. He wants you to, as you serve him, to endure and to, and to go through all this with the joy that you know that you will have a reward, with the joy that you know that you will be going home someday, with the joy that you know that God, your, your father and Jesus, his son, they love you. And they want to give you his spirit to live out this life until this next life. Well, I want you to be just thinking about that and thinking about maybe what is your next step? What is it that God might be calling you to to lean into? And in doing so, I've um, asked uh, Krista Burbig, who um, came to our church for the first time in Easter of a year ago. Uh, Their family, they live in the Long Lake area. And have some local businesses. And um, I, I thought, Krista, this would be wonderful for you to kind of make alive kind of what what I've been kind of talking about to some degree. So um, would you, um, as we think about this, people are on faith journeys. You are on a faith journey. And everyone is at a different place. Some are just beginning to kind of kick the tires to see, hey, well, do I want to buy into this? And some of them, people are in this place where they're starting to think about, you know, I've been feeling this drawing of God, which you might even this morning. God's just kind of, kind of pushing very gently on your heart. And sometimes he actually calls you to start this journey with him. Tell us a little bit about your faith journey. Well, Kevin, I have kind of always believed in God. I grew up going to church, and if you asked me a couple of years ago, I would have probably figured I was in a real good spot with God. Um, and it, it turns out I wasn't, but 
I think the story kind of starts here. Our middle daughter, Bella, um, we, we attended a church that I grew up in sometimes. <laughs> when it was convenient and when it worked out, um, we would go. And she really got a lot out of it. So she would go sometimes by herself and ride her bike. And I learned um, some months back that she would ride her bike home and pray for the rest of us. That the rest of the family would find God and, and church. And so then you kind of fast forward to a year ago, just prior to Easter, we, it was recommended to us that we watch the show, The Chosen, by several people. So we kind of sat down and started watching it. And seeing this real depiction of Jesus really stirred something in my husband, Zach, and I. And we just kind of started thinking, we need to make a change. We need to start seeking God and Jesus a little bit more. What I love about this is um, your daughter's praying for you, that you would come to know God. God starts working through all this. And, and so at, at that point, what did you do? Well, at that point, and we were coming up on Easter last year, and we only had the option to go to our church virtually. And we didn't want to, well, kind of our new excitement, we didn't want to sit in our living room and have Easter Sunday. So it was, why is that a free was recommended to us. So we kind of looked up the church service and we're like, we're going to go in person. And so we came to church and it was, so it was a year ago that we walked in here for the first time. Actually, Zach had been here before, but for the rest of us for the first time and listened to you preach and just the way your voice got quivery today and your excitement and your passion, Jesus's love just flows out of you. It's, it's unbelievable. And I looked over at my children and they were engaged. They were listening. I was so excited when I got to the car and nervous to hear my husband's opinion. Cause I was like, I hope he likes it. And we get out to the car and he loved it and we never stopped coming. And there's nowhere that I feel closer to God than in this, in this sanctuary God's love flowing through you, your beautiful voices carrying his worship songs. It's, it's, we just haven't stopped coming. So what I, I want to comment on is I think one of the things that's a great gift is the church, a community where people come and do just that. But one of the greatest gifts that we really are all about is the fact that not only can you in this space, but throughout every day of your life, you can walk with Jesus and know Jesus. And I talk often about an interactive um, relationship, this interactive place with God. Um, and I use an illustration like uh, you. we had a golden retriever, and, and if I were to share with you a golden retriever, most people can tell you the characteristics of a golden retriever, right? They're just like in your lap. They're really happy. They're really joyful. All these different things. They're gold, right? <laughs> a lot of long hair shed. Uh, but this golden retriever was my golden retriever, and I interacted with that golden retriever every day. So I really knew this golden retriever. I was actually to understand a whole lot of things in relationship to this golden retriever. And I talk a lot about this. What I want people to know is there is a God. And a lot of you can talk about characteristics and all kinds of things about him. You've heard messages like this or something. But you know what? There's a, there's a point where you start to actually in relationship interact with him on a regular daily basis. And it, and it can begin with a point. So I know in your life, was there a, some initial point or something that made a difference from just sitting in here and, and feeling love? Well, yeah, Kevin. So you often at the end of the service when you're praying for us will ask us to invite Jesus into our hearts. And I, I, I would hear this, you know, 
Sunday after Sunday. And I didn't actually like think I needed to do that. I was like, I know Jesus. I love God. I, I don't need to invite him in my heart. He's with me. But the stories of, of just other people you've brought up and this continued hearing to ask Jesus into your heart, I just began asking him into my heart. And that changed kind of everything. It just okay. changed the course. So, this is new from last time, the first service. So Uh-oh. I got this thought. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was I'm ready. I'm throwing you for okay. a loop this no, time. I just want to just comment on this because I think it's so cool in the sense that, you know, like you said, you asked, you said, I don't know the best way to say this faith basically in this God that loves you and gives you grace, doesn't call you to work, to be good enough to be in his presence. But he says, you're just good enough the way you are. I have been good enough on the cross for you. All that. I just, every person here has been given a will. And you can go out and you need to, yeah, you know, in a marriage, when two couples stand before each other, they make a promise, a commitment of their will saying, I invite you into my life. You're going to be a part of my life. And ones that don't do that, what happens? So there is a sense that when you do do what you just said, everything does change because you have, mm-hmm. with your will, invited him to be a part of your life, to interact with you. Okay, so what happened as you did that? Any other things you want to share with us, steps or any thoughts? Sure. So then you kind of bring us to January of this year and we did 21 days of fasting and I own two gyms and I get up before 4am. It's a little crazy. And I, God was pressing on my heart to get up 30 minutes earlier. And my husband knows that's it. He's like, you get up like six minutes before you have to be at the gym. So 30 minutes was a big deal. So <laughs> I, crazy I, I, right. I could, but I committed to, yeah. I'm going to get up 30 minutes earlier and read the Bible and pray because I, as I was asking God to sort of come into my heart, I was realizing that when I'd never really picked up the Bible and read it, and that was maybe a piece of this puzzle that was important and yeah. to praying, I, I walked around for all of my life telling people, you know, that I'm sick, I'm this, uh, oh, I'll pray for you, but I never actually prayed for them. Like that was me praying for them to say I was going to pray for them. And so I, I took this on where 30 minutes in the morning, I started to read the Bible every day and pray and really interact with God and just start to see him well, everywhere. Which is just what the word of God says, that when you do invite him, his Holy Spirit begins to generate desires in us that are crazy. Like you start to say, I want to understand God's word. I want to be with God's people. There's all these kinds of things that were evident in your life. So I last time sent you on a different direction. I'm going to end with just a simple question, and that is there are people here or online who... Um, maybe it's their first time or they've been kind of in and out, bouncing in and out for the last month or year or so. What would your, what would be kind of a parting shot that you'd want to share with them? I think there's, there's two things. And I didn't say this the first time and I want to make sure I say this the second time. So I'm going to say it first. Come back. Right? Just come back next week. That's step one. Just keep coming. It's, it's worth it. I promise. And number two is don't compare yourself. As you begin this journey, so we own two gyms, like I said, when I start to train a new trainer, the first thing I tell them is don't watch the veteran trainers and compare yourself to them. They're in a different place. They've been doing it for a while. They're a different person. They have a different personality. Don't waste your energy comparing yourself to them. 
It's not worth it. And I think we do this in our faith journey so often that we compare ourselves to the people that we aspire to be in our faith journey. And we say, but I'm not doing this yet. And I don't know the Bible yet. And I can't read a verse out of the Bible yet, but God is going to use you. And it's your journey with God. And you are where you're supposed to be. Just interact with him. He will use you. You don't even need to recite a word from the Bible. He'll, he'll use you. Preach it. You know, I just got to tell you, thank you for taking a moment to do this, Krista. Would you just thank her? Thank you very much. Now take the mic. I'm going to ask you to stand. And as you do, we're going to sing this song. And before we do it, I just feel um, compelled to, to ask you to bow your head for a moment. And we've been talking about this interactive life with Jesus and I just, if, if you want to, just open your heart and say, I invite you in, Jesus. I, I recognize that I need you. I cannot make it to your holy perfection and goodness on my own. I recognize my sin. I just want you to come into my life and that your Holy Spirit would begin to put in my heart desires to serve you and to love others and to love you even more than I have in the past. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing these prayers. In Christ's name, amen.